We are in our uh, sermon series on what did Jesus ask? And the question for today is one, honestly, that uh, until I read this little essay in the book, What Did Jesus Ask? I'd really never focused on before. Uh, And the question in this story from the Gospel of John, from Jesus' life, is, woman, why do you involve me? I suppose I'd never focused on the question because everything that comes after it is pretty extraordinary. The changing of the water into wine and the fact that Jesus is beginning his ministry in this way and the fact that it's such a dramatic kind of tangible miracle of water into wine. When interpreters read this passage, uh, scriptural interpreters, uh, it's oftentimes explained as uh, uh, on a very symbolic level that uh, in this miracle, Jesus is taking uh, jugs that are used normally to hold water for a key Jewish ritual of purification of hands, washing of hands before a meal, which is prescribed by the law. And Jesus taking those vessels that are empty and filling them with water that becomes wine is kind of very symbolic about the relationship of Jesus' new revelation about God compared to the revelation through the Mosaic law, the gift to the people Israel. And no doubt that is part of what's going on in the story. But looking at this question, woman, why do you involve me? Really gave me opportunity to appreciate something that Mary did to coach and guide Jesus in a way that was really profound. So let's just look a little bit more at what happens and and what's so kind of different about this um, miracle. Uh, Jesus' miracles generally in the Gospel of John, which he calls signs, are, are in all the other cases kind of in response to a very observable need or to a person who asks him a question for relief of a very obvious need. So we have a man who is born blind, um, getting his sight. We have a, a person who is paralyzed and has been trying for years to get himself into a pool of healing waters and has not been able to maneuver himself there and hasn't had help. And Jesus helps cure his lameness. And there's also a crowd that's gathered, been listening to Jesus teach for a long time. They're very hungry and Jesus multiplies the loaves and the fishes. So it's very clear in in all of the other miracles, oh, oh, in fact, bringing someone back from the dead, why Jesus is acting. Uh, And Jesus probably has not perceived that this action that's going on around him is all that important. In fact, he probably hasn't even noticed it. His mother brings it to his attention, but he probably hasn't noticed 
that in the midst of a crowd that is having a party for a wedding, that has already had some wine going around, uh, there's, the, the party is maybe gonna be a little shorter without more wine, but it doesn't seem like a pressing need. And so, in some ways, it seems like a logical question. Why, why do you involve me? Uh, there's something else that's kind of unusual about the question and about uh, its context in the story. Uh, Jesus calls his mother woman. Actually, in the Gospel of John, if that were our only source, we would not know Jesus' mother's name because he doesn't call her by her name. And uh, the narrator doesn't either. They just refer to her as his mother. It's very, very hard you know, as a woman to get your name actually used in Scripture. Uh, there's uh, a needy woman, a complaining woman, a patient woman, a good woman. There's good girls and bad girls, but very few of them have names. And so in this passage, Jesus says to her, woman, that's unusual. Now, uh, there's only one other time when Jesus directly addresses Mary, his mother, in the Gospels. And whereas this is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, that second reference is at the end of Jesus' ministry. And I think that second reference, which I'll get to in a minute, kind of helps understand what Jesus got, what she helped him accomplish through that brief interaction at a wedding party. So woman, why do you involve me? And his explanation for the question is, my hour has not yet come. Now in the Gospel of John, uh, that terminology, the hour, Jesus' hour, is very, very important. When Jesus talks about his hour, he talks about his hour as being the fulfillment of God's revelation of his saving love and purpose in Jesus' suffering, death, and resurrection that showed God's self-sacrificial love and unleashed the power of the Holy Spirit for all who believe. Um, and when Jesus is asking that question, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. It sounds like he's saying, you know, I'm not gonna waste my power on unimportant things. And I'm not going to uh, use a miracle in any way that is not thoroughly revealing of my central purpose to reveal God's complete and utter loving commitment to humanity and the pathway for us to be reconciled with God. So Jesus is asking her a, a simple question and saying, implying why he will not grant her request. Now, perhaps he's not intending not to grant her request, but it sounds like it. Um, in his defense, I think anytime, ask, any, anytime anyone asks you to get involved in somebody else's business, it's a good idea to ask them why they're asking 
because you kind of want to know what the motivation is and what you're getting yourself in for. So that's on Jesus' behalf. But Mary doesn't back down. Now, she's not disrespectful. But even after she listens to him say this, there's, there's the wine steward right there. The servants are right there. And she says, do whatever he tells you. Now, in a sense, uh, he's, she's opening up the door for him to criticize her publicly or dismiss her publicly. It's a little bit risky, but I think she trusts in his goodness. And perhaps she trusts in the relationship that she has with him of being of some authority. Um, I, I don't think that Mary would have done this, but if, if I had had a child who had said to me, why do you involve me? Rather ironic question, if I were in Mary's place, I would say, what do you mean, son of God, son of Mary? Why do you involve me? I have a right to involve you because a look at what got involved with me in having you. I'm an unmarried woman getting a request from God. I'm having to go to Egypt and flee to save your hide. I'm having to uh, go look for you after you've been lost for three days in your father's house, you tell me, where as our house is back in Nazareth. Uh, can we, do we need to go on? I have that litany. Every mother, every mother I'm pretty sure has that litany right? Um, but Mary didn't do that. Just do whatever he tells you. And so Jesus acts. Now, I think Mary was trying to coach Jesus in a direction to affirm and understand the importance of the occasion and behind that occasion, the importance of family, of people who make commitments to each other. Uh, in fact, we do pick up on that a little bit in the marriage liturgy itself in the United Methodist Church. These words come near the beginning. With his presence and power, Jesus graced a wedding at Cana of Galilee, and in his sacrificial love, gave us the example for the love of spouses. So Jesus, I'm pretty sure, gets this point because at the end of his life, when he is at the cross, Mary, who is one of the women gathered there, although she's not named, it's Jesus' mother, in the midst of his suffering and death, there he looks at her again and says, realizing that his departure and death will mean something wonderful for the world, but it will mean something gut-wrenching for her to lose her son. And so he says, woman, he points to his beloved disciple, here is your son, son, Behold your mother. I think he understood that families are really important. We have families by blood relationship and we have families by choice relationships too. 
We make commitments to each other, and it matters. Now, family is not a, a, a kind of closed concept. We can kind of create family situations. I see it here in beautiful ways in this congregation all the time. People who pick each other up every week to come to church and call and check up on each other. People who open up their homes to welcome in children that uh, don't have a safe home to be part of. People who very, very patiently walk with their aging parents through some of the more difficult processes of aging and love and support them. People who take a lot of time to learn exactly what their child needs in order to be successful in life and who go to great lengths to provide that. I heard a wonderful story in the New York Times, I think it was two days ago. Uh, it's about a family uh, outside of a suburb of Cincinnati and I, I loved the way it was a community coming together to support a family in their need. There was uh, parents who learned um, that their roughly 18-month-old child um, had a form of brain cancer that was uh, really quite serious and aggressive. And, and um, that little boy uh, just a few weeks ago was uh, stop treatment, and they told the parents he probably just had a few months to live. And um, the mother and father decided that they wanted to try to celebrate Christmas with him early so that he could experience that. That is around the age when they first really get the excitement of Christmas. And, uh, but this time of year, it's hard to get Christmas decorations, and um, they mentioned to a neighbor that they were trying to come up with some Christmas decorations, um, that they wanted to decorate the outside, and uh, the neighborhood spread the word around, and um, they decorated the street in their neighborhood, all the houses outside, for Christmas, with lights and everything, creating this little Christmas experience in the middle of their neighborhood. They got a lot of people involved. Apparently there was a woman who is relatively new here, doesn't speak any English, um, but she got the message and took down her fall decorations and put out all kinds of Christmas lights so that the whole community could help celebrate and they've surrounded the parents, really supporting that family in their self-sacrificial love. I think Mary's important insight that Jesus' question and her prompt allowed him to grasp is that families aren't just a, a cultural or a biological phenomenon. They're actually a spiritual phenomenon. Families are spiritually important. I hope you've gotten that message in these hymns we've sung today. By the way, the first one we sung is my absolute favorite hymn, so thank you for allowing me to do it even though you don't know it well. But families are important to God. It's in the family where we first learn about whether or not the world is a safe and loving place, whether it's fair, 
within a family that we start to form relationships with each other where we get to know each other in our fullness and have the opportunity to, to both uh, correct and challenge each other and to be forgiving and merciful to each other. It's in a family that we gain our concept of whether or not we're worthwhile, whether or not we matter. And so family policies matter too. I recently saw that one of the effects of the financial uh, set, setting that we're in right now is that uh, the birth rate is down and people are, uh, researchers are asking, you know, people of childbearing age, why aren't you, you know, are, are you having as many kids as you want to? Of people who say they want to have children but are having fewer than they uh, wanted to, the number one reason that they give is related to the high cost of childcare. And if you went down and took the top 10 reasons, there are seven of them that are all based on financial stability and ability to provide uh, not enough family leave or no paid family leave, all kinds of things that are policies. Some of the things that we heard about from Dawn talking about the impact of policies on families. The reason I wanted him to be here is because whatever we think politically, we need to care about human beings and about families. That is who we are called to be in Christ. And so, I invite you to think about all of the wonderful people in your family, however you define it. Aren't we blessed to have families defined in so many ways here? It's one of the things I find just delighting, delightful. And in light of those blessings and the way God has moved and lived and touched us, I invite us to consider supporting good family policies even as we, as neighbors, as family people, do our best to live out Christ's self-sacrificial giving. Amen. <laughs>